Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. What a beautiful song. Um, for us to ask God to make us holy as He is. Um, I believe that should be our heart, and um, it's just amazing, amazing song. Um, today I'm going to talk to you about a topic that uh, I, when I prepared, I asked myself many times, how am I going to send, tell people this message without, without really seriously offending anyone? So if you feel offended today, please know that's not my heart. My heart is not to condemn anyone. My heart is to convict us all that we can look at the Word and look at our lives in a different and new way. So the question is, will you enter the kingdom of heaven? And this is an important question, and one of the questions that Christ um, addressed in many different ways. The text we're going to look at today, he makes some very scary statements, statements that have puzzled many people and, and that, is, that has left a lot of people asking whether they're actually on the right track. Um, so the text says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me on, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in, in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Let's have a look at where this, is, this text is situated. Before we have this text, Jesus talks about false prophets. And he explains how they twist the, the gospel, that people make some very crucial mistakes. Um, they, they, it ends with people not repenting and not turning to Christ and changing their lives. And then after that, he talks about the foundation how he's supposed to be your foundation, because storms will come. No, if your foundation is not strong, you will fall. The foundation needs to be Christ. And between those two texts, we have this section. So let's have a look at what this section um, has in it. First of all, I would like you to note that not all will be saved. A lot of people, because... Uh, because it's the easier path, just say, there are many ways to God. There's only one way to God. And not everyone will be saved. And without Christ, you will not be saved. But then he says something very hectic after that. He says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will be saved. And often that shocks us. It grabs our heart because... How do you then know? How can you be sure? And we want to be sure. And a lot of people might at this point think, yeah, but the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. But that's not the complete picture. And this picture is also seen outside of context. It's based on Romans 10 verse 9 that, that reads, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
Now, what is that all about? I tried to look at the context here as well. Romans is not easy to, to put into small sections and say this is what everything is about, right? But I attempted. I probably failed, but this is my attempt, okay? So we looked at Romans 1 to 4, and that I think is mainly about God's righteousness. In chapter 1, we see everyone is trapped in, in sin. Chapter 2, uh, is, it says that nobody can save themselves. Chapter 3 says Jesus is the, the only solution. And chapter 4 says through Jesus we can all be God's children. What is a good child? A good child, in my opinion, is a child that obeys his or her father, right? Or mother as well, but in this case, father. Um, and then it carries on. Verse, uh, chapter 5 to 8 explains how we have all fallen um, short, and the solution is Jesus giving us the Holy Spirit. So when I looked at those chapters, I, I tried to summarize them as follows. Chapter 5 talks about the old Adam and the new Adam, uh, the way we were in our sin and the way we are when we accept Christ and move forward. Then chapter 6 talks about when accepting Christ, we die to sin. Sin should not even be an option for us. There should be no attraction to sin. We die to that sin. Then chapter 7 says the law is good, but we fail to keep it, and therefore there's the challenge that we have. In chapter 8, it talks about Jesus giving us the Holy Spirit to live in a way that is pleasing to him. And then we come to this section where this little verse um, is in that has been used so many, many times. Chapter 9 and 10 talks about uh, how we are children of Abraham and always children of Abraham were children of the promise, not the physical children. And as you read through that, you once again consider the whole thing about being dead to sin, being a child of God, a child obeys the Father. So in the context, obedience is a given to the Father. It is something that is just there. It's not restated in this section um, in, in so much detail, but it is there. So let's have a look at whether we can find that in this text. It reads, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, what does that mean? When Jesus is your, is your Lord, he has authority, and you submit to that. If you say something with your mouth and it's not in your heart, does that mean anything, really? You are then a hypocrite, maybe, at best. But if your heart doesn't agree with what your mouth says... There's a problem, right? Then let's have a look at, at whether we can find some more about, um, about Jesus and about this verse that, that makes it more applicable. We read further on, God raised him from the dead. This indicates that, that God has decided he is, he is sufficient. His sacrifice is good enough. And we don't need to do anything else. It is done. So submitting to Jesus as your Lord and Savior and, and submitting to his authority and then knowing that he has done everything. We don't follow him and do things because we want to be saved, 
But because we are saved, we do these things. So if you, do, if you have that in your heart, I believe this verse is, obviously like everything in the Bible, is correct. You will be saved. But do check your heart. Is your heart honest when it says this? Is your heart really connected and submissive to Christ? And then you can be sure of your salvation. So it carries... Um, we carry on with the first verse. Sorry, I lost myself there. Uh, we carry on with the first verse. And we see it says, but. After this but, he explains um, who gets saved. Um, he that does, what does he do? He obeys the Father. He does the will of the Father, which is in heaven. Why do you think it is important that he mentions that his Father is in heaven? Is it just about the place? I think it's got some more significance. If you look at um, the place, it, it means that God is still, the Father is still in his seat. He never stepped down like Christ did. Christ gave up his glory to be here to save us. But God the Father never left that seat. And Christ wants to underline that he is the ultimate authority that we should submit to. Um, it is not only, and I say only in, in, in what these, oh, those things. Yes, Rico said, that you heard him, right? <laughs> um, it's not about the place. It's about a position that God the Father has. So let's have a look at the, the rest of this, um, the verses that we, that we have to work through. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Once again, we see that Lord, Lord there, right? And we ask ourselves, what, what's, what went wrong here? But read what they say next. Have we not? So who gets the glory in this person's mind? You see, when we follow the glory, we can always see what is the real intent. If somebody walks around and heals people and, and is so happy to be seen as this big healer, who gets the glory? If somebody walks around and, and preaches well or prophesies or whatever, and, and they're so proud of that, who gets the glory? If somebody does miracles and they want to have as many people as possible seeing the miracle, who gets the glory? So when you follow the glory in your own life, you will also see things in your own life. I have to very often ask myself, am I doing this for God's glory? Or am I, have I fallen into the trap of doing it for my own glory? It is so easy to fall into that. And I think we need to check ourselves on that point frequently. So then they say, we prophesied, we cast out devils, we did wonderful works. These are super Christians. They are the people that you would put on a pedestal and say, hey, I'm not even worthy to speak to these people. Um, these are the people he's talking about, people that have experienced the power of God. And we could easily become envious. Now we read that these people are not saved. So what's up with that? They even say, in thy name. 
And that made me wonder what is happening in there. Why, why in thy name every time? And I think Jesus mentions that because um, he wants to emphasize one of two things. God's glory will always succeed. There's, there's Jesus and his character, his name is always his character, will always succeed. And secondly, there is a possibility that God allows the devil to empower his servants so that they stay on the track that they're on towards hell. It is possible. And a lot of you might now think, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, this is not okay, man. So let me show you a place where um, Paul also spoke about it. In Romans 1, verse 23, he says, And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words, they started to worship these things, right? Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped the, the, and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So God does allow you to go on your path. He makes it possible for you to go on your path when you've decided to turn your back on him. He does that. And that's probably one of the scariest thoughts you could have. God allows you to have what you want. And sometimes you don't want him and he allows you not to have him. And we should ask ourselves, how, how are our hearts there? Are they okay? Are they on track? When, when Christ carries on, he makes a very startling, well, the whole text is startling, I suppose. He makes this very startling um, statement. He says, and I will profess to them. That is what he will say to them. This is I, this is Christ that says that. Never knew you. I never knew you. We make such a big fuss about people getting to know Christ. But how about making sure Christ knows them? You see, I do a lot of speeches and, and very often people come to me and they talk to me as if I'm their long lost friend. And we have this massive relationship. And although I will, I will always carry on because that's, I think, in my heart, the loving thing to do. So I'll talk to them and, yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, ask my wife whether she knows who it is. <laughs> but you see, that person has no relationship with me because I don't know that person. When you follow the Father and you try to live according to his will, Christ knows you because you are one of his siblings. He knows you. But that requires you to have a heart to want to follow Christ, a heart to want to be um, obedient to the Father's will. When you have that will, then you know you're in a good space. If you have never thought about even trying to live according to God's will, you are in danger. And you can say you're a Christian as much as you want to, but you're not a child of God. 
If your heart is not transforming to, the, to a heart that is, wants to be obedient, there's a huge problem. And that doesn't say that we always succeed. I mean, he says to these guys, um, depart from me. So in other words, go away, um, guys. Uh, you that work. So they, they don't fall into iniquity. They don't make a mistake. They work at it. It's a, it's a conscious thing. They, they've decided, no, okay, I, I'm not, whatever. I'm, I'm not going to be living the way God wants me to live. I'm just going to live the way I want to live. Because in, in reality, you make the mistake to make yourself God and God your Pinocchio, your servant. We should not get that mixed up and allow ourselves to live in lawlessness. In our Christian community, there are so many people that, that just live right there. When you speak to them about their life, they tell you not to condemn them. When you ask them whether they have a relationship with Christ, they say, yes, of course I have a relationship with Christ. But when you look at their lives, there's no difference between them and anyone else. My heart broke this week when I, when I spoke to uh, an atheist client of mine that is working in, not in Namibia, in another country. And, and he said to me, you know what? The Christians are, are always very difficult when it comes to, to work. And I, was, I wanted to scream when I heard that because that's not the way it should be. We should be trying to live according, God's, according to God's will. Our Christianity needs to flow out in our daily lives in the week. It needs to be filled with love. You see, the question, will you enter the kingdom of God, has really two things in it. Do you intentionally do the Father's will according to the Bible? Or do you not care and as a result work on lawlessness? Christ is waiting for us behind that door. In heaven, is amazing because Christ is there. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, um, a heaven without Christ is hell. Christ is behind that door. And when you knock, it will open. But knock as a servant. Knock as somebody that is so passionate about Christ that you can't even fathom not living according to his will. And then you are safe, and you are saved. So let's repent and work on our, our walk with Christ. And when we fall, we trust on him and not on ourselves. And we have a relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, you are absolutely amazing. Thank you that we can have a relationship with you and with Jesus. I pray that you will give us the desire to change our lives and live lives that are honoring to you. I pray that you will be our Lord 
and our Savior. I pray that in your wonderful name. Amen. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.